Before we begin to this morning, I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe that the Christian life, your walk with God, is a journey? Anyone believe? Okay. All right. How many of y'all believe that your walk with God, your, 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 the Christian life, is a destination you're going to? You're both right. We're all right. The walk, our, our walk with God is a journey. It is something we t- we, that begins the day we accept Christ as our Savior, but there is a destination in mind. The Bible tells us that God's will for our life is to conform each one of his children to look like Jesus, to look like the child of God. So on our journey with God, we are going to a destination. Now, for the child of God, that destination, the the ultimate destination is heaven. But until we get to that destination, until we arrive in heaven, either by way of the grave or by way of the, the rapture and Jesus comes back, until we reach that final destination, we are on a journey for God. It is not a random walk. As a Christian, we are on a pilgrimage. For uh, Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Every child of God is a pilgrim. Now, in America, when we say you're a pilgrim, we automatically think you got one of those big hats with a buckle on top and you eat turkey, right? That's not what a pilgrim really is. A pilgrim is someone who is on a journey with a destination in mind. So we are pilgrims in this land. We are walking with God on a journey with God with the destination that God has in mind for us to use for our good and for his glory. We are on a journey that began when we accepted Christ as our Savior and ends when we see him face to face. And this, this pilgrimage with God, it's, it's wonderful. It's joyous, joyful. It's rewarding, but it also has hard times. It also has some dark times. There's also some valleys that we have to walk through. But no matter whether the journey that you're on with God right now is joyful or if you're in a a time of pain and darkness, no matter where you are in your journey with God, our journey with God, our pilgrimage with God, our walk with God is to be walked in total faith with God. We are to trust God for every step of the journey, no matter what we're going through. And sometimes that's hard to do. Sometimes it's hard to trust that God is doing something for your good when what you're going through looks bad. When what you're going through is painful and you don't see where the final destination is. And that's where it's a total commitment of faith to walking with God. So last week we began to study the the faith and the life of Abraham. He is the first man that we really see in the Bible to leave everything behind and walk by faith with God, not knowing what the outcome is. I mean, even you look at Noah. Noah, of course, was a man of faith, and but God came to him and said, no, I'm going to make it rain on the earth, and I'm going to flood the earth, I'm going to destroy the earth, and I want you to build a boat to, to save your family and save anyone else who's willing and save the animals and kind of restore the world to its original uh, uh, plan for God. But even Noah, who had no idea what rain was, he knew what was coming. God had told him, hey, I'm going to flood the earth, you need to build a boat. So did he walk by faith? Sure he did, but he knew what was coming. Abraham, God comes to Abraham, says, Abraham, leave everything you know and come with me and I'll show you when you get there. 
He didn't know the destination. He didn't know the final destination. He had no idea what God's final plan was, but he stepped out on faith and walked with God, trusting that God would, do, would take care of him. Now, his pilgrimage, it wasn't easy. He had trials. He had heartbreaks. He had shortcomings and failures, but he also had a, a lot of blessings. And his pilgrimage, he sets the example for us about how to live our lives in absolute faith and total commitment to God. So today as we look at his pilgrimage, I want to see the example that he gave of a life of total commitment to faith. So start looking at your Bibles in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse number 4. <coughs> the Bible says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth unto the land of Canaan, and came into the land of Canaan, they came. And Abram passed through the land, unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Morath, and, Can and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Under thy seed will I give this land. And there buildeth he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. So as we, we study these scriptures this morning, this passage of scripture, I believe we see three sides to Abraham's commitment to a life of faith. The first thing we notice in these verses is we notice his obedience. We notice his obedience in verses 4 through 5. Now, it took a while, we saw last week, it took a while for Abraham to completely obey, but he finally obeyed the Lord. He finally stepped out on faith and trusted God and obeyed God. That's exactly where God wants to bring us in our pilgrimage this morning. He wants to bring us to a place where even if we don't understand what God is doing, even if we're not sure about what God is doing, if we, if we don't know the outcome of what God is doing, we obey him. Completely and totally obey him no matter what. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to, hearken, than, and to hearken to the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Look, God is not interested in how much you can give towards his work. God is interested in you obeying him in his work. God wants you to obey. No matter what God asks you to do, no matter what God lays on your heart to do, God is more interested in you obeying him completely than saying, well, God, I don't really want to feel like doing that, so I'm just going to write a big check to the church. Now, look, I'm cool with that. But God's not. Because here's the truth. God doesn't need your big check. God doesn't want your big check. God wants you. God wants you to completely and totally obey him. So what areas was Abraham obedient? Well, first thing we notice, he was obedient in his separation. 
The call of God had been for Abraham to separate from everyone and everything he knew and follow God by faith. Now remember, when God came to Abraham, he was a 75-year-old man. He had, a, he had established a reputation, a business. He was, he was prosperous. He was successful. He, all his friends and all his family were, were in one location. And God comes to him and says, Abraham, leave everything you know, leave everyone you know, and go where I'll show you. I don't know if Abraham said, well, where, where do you want me to go, God? But God just told him, don't worry about the destination. Don't worry about where you're going to end up. Just follow me. Just walk with me. Abraham was called upon to separate himself from everything that would hinder his walk of faith with God. The call on God is the same for, for, is the same for his children this morning. Anything that keeps us from walking with Jesus. Anything that keeps us from drawing closer to God. Anything that keeps us from completely and totally obeying God is to be abandoned is to be separated from. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, what God probably will not call you to sever ties with your entire family like he did Abraham. However, if you decide to walk by faith, there's going to be some things in your life that God's going to say, you need to get rid of that. You need to separate from that. You need to get that out of your life. And it's not for us to question why God's asking that or what God wants us to do. It's our place to say, God, I will obey you in everything. And if you don't like that in my life, if that's hindering me from walking with you, if that's keeping me from being as close to you as I should be, I will gladly, willingly get rid of it. Abraham was willing to obey God in everything. In those times when facing the opposition, uh, the will of, uh, facing opposition, the will of God needs to be our top priority. Look what Jesus said about it in Matthew chapter 10. He said, Whosoever shall therefore confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth, and I am not, uh, not to send peace, but a sword. For I am not come to set a man at variance against his father and daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's foes shall be they of his own household, and he that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Now look, God's not telling you right now, go home and tell your kids you hate them. I hate you, kid. Honey, I hate you. I love Jesus more. But what Jesus is saying there is your walk with God, your relationship with God is the most important relationship in your life. And it should be. Look, your kid, here's the truth, parents. One day your kids are going to grow up and leave you. And if you're lucky, when you're really old, they'll take care of you. That's why you've you got to pick one and really invest in them so they'll take care of you. You can't spread it all out. But one day your kids are going to leave you. One day your spouse is going to leave you. One day every relationship you have. And here's the thing. People will disappoint you. But God never will. 
So God's telling us, look, your most important relationship is not these horizontal relationships. It's your relationship with God the Father. Because people will leave you. God never will. People will disappoint you. God never will. God wants us to be willing to separate from everything, to be willing to only have him. Abraham was obedient in the separation. Secondly, Abraham was obedient in his substance. Verse 5 tells us that when Abraham left to follow the Lord, he took with him all his substance. In other words, when the Lord got Abraham, the Lord got everything Abraham had. He got everything of Abraham. Abraham didn't leave anything behind for the world to use, but he took all of it and went after God completely. Now look, you can tell how committed someone is to God by how much of their stuff they're willing to surrender to him. How much of their things they're willing to allow to say to God, God, it's yours anyway, you do with what you want to. Lord, you can take it, you can have it, you can use it. Lord, it's not mine, it's just yours. And how much of our stuff we're willing to surrender to God. Now, don't get nervous, I'm not talking about tithing. Don't get me wrong, as a Christian, we should tithe. It's a, it's a privilege. It's a form of worship to God. It's also a command. That we're to tithe, give tithes and offerings to God. But God is, more, is just as concerned with what you do with the 90% you hold on to as how willing you are to give him the 10% that you feel he is due. And see, that's, that's what a lot of Christians are. I'll give God this 10%, but the rest of it's mine. That's, that's not what Scripture teaches. All of it's God. Every single bit of it. Every dime you have in your, every possession you have, everything you own, all your time, all your talent, everything is God's. He blesses you with it, and he says, hey, to show how much you love me, what well, are you willing to give back? And we think, well, I'll give God 10%, but the rest, it's, it's what I'm going to do with it. See, too many of us, we have God's pile and our pile. And our pile is always bigger. And how dare God try to take from my pile I already gave him his. That shows how committed you are to God if you, if you have two piles like that. See, God gives us what he does so that we might use it for his glory and for his kingdom's work. And I'll be honest with you, that's why some of you struggle financially. Because you hold on to what you think is yours selfishly. This is mine. i got to pay my bills. i got to do my stuff. I want to do. And, and you struggle because you look at it as, that's God's, this is mine. Or all of it's mine, and i got to hold on to it for myself. And I'm not saying you, look, I was talking to a couple this week, and they're like, they, they had a pastor, they were in a church, and a pastor passed a plate four times. And told them, said, if you really loved God, you'd give your, your, your uh, electric bill money. I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to ask you to, to, to empty out your bank account or take a second mortgage. I'm not, I'm, look, God doesn't need your money. God's got it all anyway. It's not an issue of God wanting your tithes and offerings. It's an issue of God wanting your heart. It's an issue of God wanting your willingness to say, God, it's all yours anyway. You're going to take care of me anyway. You've promised it anyway, God. So, Lord, whatever you want, it's all yours. I'm willing to give it to you. If you have a problem with your tithes and offerings, you don't have a problem with your tithes and offerings. You have a problem with your heart for God. It isn't a matter of God wanting your money. It's a matter of God wanting your heart. Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God wants you to surrender all you are and all you have to his kingdom. He may take it, he may not. 
But it's, he wants you to be willing to surrender it all to him. Abraham was obedient in separation. He was obedient in his substance. And thirdly, he was obedient in his surrender. Verse 4 tells us that Abraham went and did as the Lord had spoken unto him. Abraham learned early on that the secret to pleasing God is to simply obey what he says no matter how hard it is. And you can see, we'll see in a couple weeks, you know, after the, you know, we're talking about how great Abraham's faith is. In a couple verses, he loses faith and goes down to Egypt because there's a famine in the land. He lies about his relationship with his wife, kinda. He says, she's not my wife, she's my sister, which she was. Ew, but anyway, you know, not many people back then, so he had to marry his sister. But his half-sister, so he lies about her, so, so he doesn't want to get hurt. So he, he kind of loses faith with God and disobeys God a little bit, but he gets right back on track and obeys God. But later on in his life, God comes to him and says, Abraham, take the son you've been waiting for for 25 years and sacrifice him to me. Abraham didn't blink. He said, okay, God, that's what you want. That's what I'll do. Why? Because he knew God had promised to use that son to be a blessing to the world. So even if I sacrifice him and kill him, God's going to raise him up because God gave a promise and God always keeps his word. But he learned to obey God no matter what. Even when the Lord's call in his life was difficult, it was the only course of action that made sense. See, faith doesn't build barriers in your walk with God. It does what it is told and trusts God to take care of the rest. As we progress with God in our pilgrimage, the sooner we learn to obey God and surrender to him in every area of our life, the better. The only way to have a true, joyful life with God and your walk with God is to come to a place of total surrender. Paul said in Romans 12, he goes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. As you read the life of Abraham, you might think that God wanted, wanted what Abraham could offer him. But God didn't want what Abraham could offer. He didn't want Abraham's talents, didn't want Abraham's possessions, didn't want Abraham's herds. The only thing he wanted was Abraham. He wanted Abraham to completely surrender himself, his life, his desires, his wills to God and just walk with God in total commitment. All God wanted was Abraham. All God wants this morning is you. He wants an intimate, personal relationship with you. And look, that blows my mind. You know why? Because I know me. I'm not that great. I know you. You're even worse. I mean, I'm like, God, why would you want to hang out with me? Why would you want to hang out? I know John. Why would you want to hang out with John? He's a Duke fan, for goodness sakes. A blue devil, God. That's what he likes. But God loves you so much. All he wants is fellowship with you. And all he wants is you to be willing to say, God, everything I am, everything I have, Everything I want, it's yours. All I want is you. God wants to bring us to a place of total surrender to him. Everything we are given to God, everything we are given to God for his glory. We see his obedience. Second thing we notice, we notice his opposition. Look again at verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. 
And Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran, and Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance, and all they had gathered, and the souls they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth into the land of Canaan, and, to, and, the Can, and, and, the, and into the land of Canaan they came, and Abram passed through into the place of Shechem, into the plain of Morath, and the Canaanite was then in the land. So Abraham wasn't going to find everything smooth sailing as he stepped out on faith with God. And look, you're not going to either. And if anyone ever tells you, tells you, man, if you just give your life to God and you just accept God as your Savior and you just walk in faith with Him, your life's going to be so easy and you're just going to have all kinds of money and all kinds of They're lying to you. Bible's never promised. Matter of fact, God says, hey, if you're going to walk with me, you're going to face opposition. Just get ready for it. Those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. He doesn't say might suffer. He goes, if you walk with God, you are going to suffer persecution. Mark it down. Have a great day. So you're going to face opposition in our walk with God. There were difficult times that Abraham faced in his pilgrimage. Let's see some of the obstacles he faced. First thing we notice, the days opposed him. Abraham was 75 years old when he began his journey with God. That's the age most people think about slowing down. Now, I know you talk about Bible people. I mean, you got Methuselah. He's living 900 and some odd years. Like, oh, 75 ain't that big. At this time, 75 was still old. He only lived another 75 years, and he died as a very old man because most people didn't live past 100. So when you're 75 and your life expectancy is 100 now, I know that's we're like, man, that's, that's awesome. That's 100. But still, 75, you know what a 75-year-old was then? Same thing he is now, an old guy. 75, most people think, it's time for me to slow down. It'd be time for me to retire, take it easy, spend some time in Florida on the beach, and hey, that sounds awesome to me, amen? But most of us at that age, most people think about slowing down. Not Abraham. He set out to follow God. I guarantee you some of his family thought he lost his mind. Abraham, you're going to... You're going to leave everything you have now. You're successful. You've got property. You've got flocks. And you've got, a, you've got a nice house. And you're established. And everything's paid for. And you've got no debt. And, man, everything's going great. And you're going to leave all of this to go where? You don't even know where you're going, Abraham. You're just walking. It, it seemed crazy. They probably tried to talk some sense into him. Tried to tell him the folly of leaving his secure lifestyle for this uncertainty that lay ahead of him. But there is never a time... For us to quit our walk with God and retire in our journey. We can never get to a point where we say, I've done enough for God. It's time for me to take it easy. Now look, there, there may come a day where you can't teach anymore. There will probably come a day where I can't preach anymore. There, were, there may come a day where you can't even come to church anymore. But until you are called home to glory, there is never a day where you can sit down and say, I'm done walking with God. No matter how long the days get, we still are to walk with God. The days opposed him. Second thing we notice, the darkness opposed him. In verse number 6, the Bible tells us that while Abraham was on his pilgrimage, that the Canaanite was then in the land. That shows us a lot about the country Abraham was traveling through and moving into. The Canaanites were a godless people trapped in spiritual idolatry and a religious system that was steeped in idol worship and false gods. The Canaanites offered their children as human sacrifices to their God. The Canaanites were a very perverse nation. 
They had all kinds of what they called fertility rituals that were just extreme sexual sin. Abraham, he was headed into a very hostile territory where no one was sympathetic towards his lifestyle or, or, or his relationship with God. He was headed into a dark land, but he was determined to follow God despite the opposition or the darkness that he faced. Nothing has changed since Abraham's day. We live in a very dark, very perverse, very anti-God society. It's very easy to say, you know what, I'm not going to be too I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm gonna stop going to church because everyone's against it. Everyone makes fun of me. So you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be a secret Christian. God's never called us to be a secret Christian. God's called us to shine His light into the darkness. If you decide to walk by faith with God, you're going to find that the Canaanites are still in the world. The, the, the world, the flesh, the devil, they are against you, and they have no sympathy for anyone who chooses to walk with God. If you're committed to walking in a life of faith, you will be opposed. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Look, Jesus suffered persecution while he was on earth. Why should we be any different? Why should we expect any less when our Heavenly Father suffered while He was on earth? In spite of the darkness, in spite of the opposition, we need to determine to live by faith with God, to walk by faith with God, no matter what comes up. We will be opposed, we'll be mocked, we'll be ridiculed, we'll be hated, we'll be persecuted, but total commitment demands we stay faithful to God. We see the days opposed Him. The darkness opposed him. Secondly, we notice the distance opposed him. From Haran to Canaan is a journey of about 500 miles. Now, that's about from here to Indianapolis. If you were to get in your car and drive it, it's going to take you about eight and a half hours. If you were to get on a plane, it's going to be about a three-hour flight. Not bad, right? Not, not a bad journey, eight and a half hours in a car. Especially if you have kids, it's brutal, but it's doable. Three-hour flight, that's nothing. You know, you're there before dinner. No big deal. It's an easy travel. But what if you were walking it? If you were walking and you were walked 12 hours a day, it would take you 13 days to get there. What if you were walking it with herds and cattle and sheep and family and old people and servants? The journey Abraham took from Haran to Canaan, the rate he was going, took him about three months to get there. You think any time during the way he thought, you know what, this, is, this place is pretty nice. I'll just hang out here. Enough's enough. You know, luckily he didn't have any kids going, are we there yet, are we there yet, are we there yet all the time. But I'm sure he had Sarah going, has God told you to stop yet? Because I'm getting tired. It's real hard to, 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 to keep everything clean walking like this. Abraham, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I'm sure sometime during the journey he thought, you know what, this, this place is pretty good. Maybe I'll just stop here. For Abraham... It was a long, difficult journey. I'm sure he was tempted to stop short and to quit, but he didn't stop. He kept going until God told him where he wanted to be. Now, there were some detours on the way as his faith grew weak, but he got back to walking with God and to going where God told him to go. Living for God is hard at times. It's discouraging at times. And we are all tempted to quit and live our lives for ourselves. 
Let's be honest. As you're walking with God and you're trying to serve God, you're trying to be faithful to God, and trials come and persecutions come, and it's easy to say, you know what? This walking for God stuff is painful and hard. I'm just going to live for myself. We've all been tempted, and if you haven't, you're lying. I've been tempted to say, you know what, God? This, this whole serving you thing, it ain't what it's cut out to be. I think I'll just quit and go back to my whole life. It's very easy to say that. But a life of total commitment to faith requires, no matter how hard it gets, we continue to walk with God. Stay in the pilgrimage. Don't quit before you get where God wants you to be. Don't quit before you receive what God has for you. If Abraham would have stopped short, he never would have received all the blessings that God had promised him. A commitment to a life of faith means being determining that you will never stop, never pull up short, never quit until you're home. So we see the days oppose him, the darkness opposes him, the distance opposes him, and finally, the duties opposed him. Look at verse number five again. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and all their substance that they had gathered and all the souls that they had gotten from Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they went. Abraham had a lot of responsibilities to take care of. He had to take care of Sarah, his wife. He had to watch after Lot, his nephew, and, and his, he kind of adopted Lot as his, his own son and because his brother had died. And so Lot, he's taking care of Lot as his own son. And he's watching after Lot's wife and, and their kids. And he's got, he's got servants to take care of. And he's got herds to take care of. And he's got all these responsibilities to take care of. If he was like most of us, he would say, God, I've got too much going on to serve you right now. I'm just too busy. A lot of us say that. I'm just, I'm too busy to read my Bible. I'm too busy to pray like I should. I'm too busy to go to church faithfully because I've got so much going on, I don't have time for God. It took incredible faith to place all of his responsibilities aside and walk with God, trusting that God would provide everything that was needed. Now look, just because he walked with God didn't mean his responsibilities went away. People still needed to be fed. His, his herdsmen still need to be paid. His flocks still need to be tended to. But Abraham trusted that if God called him to a life of faith, that God would take care of everything that was needed. And that's where God wants us to be as well. Now, look, I'm not telling you, stop your response. I'm not saying wake up tomorrow morning and say, well, I don't got to go to work. God's going to take care of me. No, that's not how it works. Call your boss. Preacher said that if I stopped doing everything, God would take care of me. I'm, I'm done now. No, you'll, you'll be fired pretty soon and end up on, you know, need money. So don't do that. I'm not saying just stop doing everything and don't give, stop all your responsibilities. But we need to trust God to help us do them and walk with him and follow him and serve him as we do what he's called us to do. He wants us to willingly abandon the seen for the unseen things of God. To where, where we know we have what he has promised us. Even if we can't see it yet. God promised we will have it. He wants us to leave all of our worries, all of our needs, all of our fears, and all of our cares at his feet. He says in Matthew 6, he says, Therefore I say unto you, <coughs> take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. 
Are ye not much better than they? Which by taking thought can add one cubit to a stature. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thoughts of the thing of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You know what, you know what Jesus is saying right there? Walk with God and leave the details up to him. You just walk with God and serve God and fellowship with God and journey with God and draw close to God and God will take care of everything else. God will take care of you if you follow him. As a pilgrim with God, I have one responsibility. Trust him. We see his obedience. We see his opposition. And finally, we see his opportunities. Abraham was called to walk by faith to an unseen place but God had promised him incredible opportunities that, no, that people knew nothing about. What are these opportunities? First thing, to experience God's promises. <clears throat> As Abraham walked through Canaan, he knew every, every step he took, everything he saw, God had given him and his children. He knew, man, it's not mine yet, but God's given me all this land. I don't have the deed yet, but God's promised all this to me. As he traveled, he enjoyed the future even though he didn't have it yet. What an example he is for us today. Even as we continue in our pilgrimage, we can see by the future, by faith, as clearly as if we were already there. God's promised us incredible blessings. God promised us a home with him, eternity forever, not because we deserve it, because of his death, burial, and resurrection. God said, if you accept my gift of salvation through my son's death, burial, and resurrection, then you have heaven promised to you. And I can tell you today, I am as sure for heaven if I was already there. I'm not there yet. But it's mine one day. I know one day I'll see my heavenly father face to face. And when I do, I'll be with him for all of eternity. That's a promise I already have. I know I will never even smell the smoke of hell because he died for me. He rose again for me and I accepted his gift of salvation. I will, I will never see the flames of hell because he's promised it to me. There's incredible promises God has given us as his children. We may not have them yet, but we know they're coming. Abraham, as he walked, he goes, God, you've promised all this land. I don't have it yet. There's still Canaanites in the land. I still got to evict all these people. But Lord, it's, it's already mine because you promised it to me. We can see the future by faith. Abraham, he experienced God's promise. Second thing God promised him was he got to enjoy God's presence. As Abraham was on his pilgrimage, he had an incredible companion with him. It wasn't Sarah, wasn't Lot, wasn't Elimelech. We know about him later on in the scriptures. It was God. Every step he took, his heavenly father was right there with him. If you're here this morning and you've accepted Christ as your Savior and you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You know what that means? Every step you take, God's right there with you. And he said, I will never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. People will leave you. 
God said, I never will. As we journey with God, we get to enjoy his presence. You know what? The unsaved don't get to enjoy that. The lost don't get that privilege. But no matter what we're going through, whether we're in the valley of the shadow of death, yea, thou art with me, whether we're in dark times or joyful times, no matter what we're going through, God is always with us because he has promised we will always enjoy his presence. Everywhere Abraham stopped on his journey, if you read the scriptures, everywhere he stopped, he built an altar. He took time to worship God in his journey. And as Abraham journeyed, he enjoyed fellowship with his father. God spoke to him and fellowship with him and ministered to him and spent time with Abraham. And everywhere Abraham went, God was there with him. Everywhere you go in your walk with God, God is always there with you. Now, too many of us, as we walk with God, we leave God out of our life. God never leaves you, but too often we'll come to spots and say, God, I, I'm going to take care of this myself. Look, that's foolish. To every area of your life, God wants to be a part of, and God wants to take care of you. Don't leave God out of your journey. Abraham gives us the example of a man who was totally committed to a life of faith. Can you say the same thing about your journey with God this morning? God is still looking for those he can call to a life of faith and he can use to show his glory and his grace to the world. So this morning I simply ask you this, are you committed to live a life of faith? Are you committed to walk with God no matter what opposition you face? Are you committed to obey God no matter if it makes sense or not? Are you committed to walking with Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father.